Um, I'm excited that you're here with us this morning. It's good to be together in this moment with our Bibles open, hearing the Word of God and considering it seriously. There's no better place to be than to be gathered with God's people, hearing God's Word. Every week when I see you, I'm relieved and glad to see you. Every week when I don't see you, um, I wonder and sometimes I'm concerned. Yep. But this week's parable reminds me to be way more concerned than simply you being in the building. Because there's something bigger even than just getting yourself into the building. As good as this is, there's something bigger to be concerned about. And it is to be concerned about what's happening for you while you're in the building. And even more specifically, what's happening for you as you hear the Word of God coming at you. That's a very important thing. The challenging truth is there's many different types of people who find their way into a church gathering and hear the Word of God. But the, the reality is, we're told, is that just because you're in the building, it, does, it actually doesn't mean you're okay with God and safe with Him. Just because you walk into the space and get yourself here doesn't necessarily mean you believe and are saved. Jesus describes four types of people who come to church. It's pretty full on. It's pretty stark. Four types of people who gather and, in a sense, hear the Word of God coming at them, but only one type of person is safe and saved and okay with God for an eternity. It's pretty pretty heavy to read this parable. You want to make sure that that's you, that you are that one in the four types of people. Yep. And I would be naive to assume that we are all in that one category of those four. Many will hear the word of God. The key difference is in the quality of your hearing. The quality of your spiritual listening to the word of God. You see, you can be in a gathering where the word of God's going out and you can be quite casual and even a bit careless in your hearing. You can hear it, but then what's coming at you can get drowned out by all other kinds of thoughts bouncing through your head, or other kinds of noises you're hearing in the building, or other kind of concerns you've got about what's next on a Sunday, or what's coming this week. There's all kinds of things that can affect your hearing in this moment. The preacher can just be boring or confusing. There's all kinds of things that can go down. Will you be someone, though, who hears it, really receives it, accepts it, and lets it grow in you to produce something real and lasting for all eternity? I do want to emphasise this. Your eternal destiny hangs on how you listen. Not to your own thoughts or your own voice, but to the voice of God. This is a pretty famous, well-known parable that we're looking at today. Most people know the parable, whether they've been in church or not before. It's the parable of the four soils or the sower. It's called a number of different things. Let's just read it again together, picking up in verse 3 through to 8. 
Um, make sure you catch the story. You don't need to be a farmer to understand this one. It's a pretty easy one to get your head around. Look at verse 3. We'll pick it up there. Jesus says, listen. <laughs> you know, with an apostrophe there. Listen. You got this one? A farmer went out to sow his seed. So picture a farmer with a bag of seed or something like that and he's walking through the field and he's grabbing handfuls of seed and he's scattering it and it's landing in different places. In fact, four different places. The seed is landing. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Verse 8, still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up, it grew and it produced a crop some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. So there's the parable. Pretty easy to get your head around, isn't it? In the end, there's actually only one type of soil where the seed lands and grows and lasts and produces a harvest. Every other place where the seed lands, it it either totally bounces off or it's just completely short-lived and it doesn't last. There's the parable. And apparently that's a common thing for planting seeds or whatever. Now, the unique thing about this parable is Jesus goes on to actually give us the key to understanding all the details. He doesn't do that with all these parables. But this one appears to be a pretty direct allegory where you get a key to understand each of the elements. And and we get insight as Jesus explains it to his own disciples what it actually means, which is really cool. We're not left guessing. The word parable comes from the word parabolic, where something obvious sheds light on the obscure. And on a level, what Jesus is doing here is he's helping the obscurities of the kingdom of God to come to light using a story that everyone can understand. However, it's not simply as clear as that. You might have understood or heard the saying that a parable is a earthly story with a heavenly meaning, you heard that before? If it, and, and that's a good definition of what a parable is, but if that is simply what a parable is, then it doesn't really make sense of what Jesus says next, because it doesn't appear as though everybody understands how the earthly story points to the heavenly meaning, yep? So you want to be careful not to make the assumption that everyone who hears the parable, it makes spiritual things clear to them. It helps everybody understand Because actually, Jesus says, no, 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 parables are actually told to actually stop a bunch of people from understanding, which sounds really heavy. Why would Jesus want to hinder anyone from getting these things? Well, look look at what he says there. Look, Look at verse 10, 11, 12. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside... Everything is said in parables so that... And then he quotes Isaiah 6, which is Isaiah's pronouncement and prophecy of judgment, actually. Look at it. They may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. In some sense, Jesus tells parables 
as a form of judgment. Yep. Like, the, like Isaiah the prophet told, his prophecies for judgment on people. Jesus uses parables to draw out the real seekers from the casual hearers. Yep. And he's certainly got a large crowd of people following him. Most of them just either want a free feed or they want some physical healing. So there's a huge crowd of people. Jesus is trying to draw out real, genuine followers for himself. He doesn't just want a large following. He wants devoted followers. So he speaks in parables, the kind of stories that demand some serious thought and reflection to get the point. Yep. And so a person needs to have some spiritual earnestness to dig in and actually get it. So Jesus tells parables really to separate sincere seekers from casual hearers. For some people, parables reveal truth. If you're a genuine seeker after the Lord, wanting to really hear him, and you're willing to take the time to dig for the meaning and work hard to listen well, then a parable can reveal truth about the kingdom of God to you. Please be that person. But a parable can conceal truth to the person who's just got a superficial interest, content with a nice story, a little bit of a moral to the story, and on your way through life, it's a form of judgment. I'm not sure if you've seen that Monty Python skit. Some of you have watched Monty Python in the 80s where, you know, they, they kind of, it's a takeoff of Jesus and he's, he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount and people walk past and when he says, blessed are the peacemakers and someone's standing at the back of the crowd and they hear, blessed are the cheesemakers. And they're like, cheesemakers, that's interesting. And then I think the guy next to me, I'm not going to quote this properly, I'm not a Monty Python, but the person next to him says, well, it might not just be cheesemakers, it might be anyone in the dairy industry. And then they just walk off again. And then that's just it. They just caught a little bit, thought, oh, that's interesting, and they wander off. And many people treat Jesus like that. You hear a little bit, and you're like, wow, that's a, a farmer, seed. Yeah, yeah, some seed grows, some, cool, and off they go. Don't be that person that just gets a little interesting moral story. What kind of a hearer will you be? Because Jesus says here in verse 9 something very interesting. Did you catch that language? Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear... Let him hear. Do you have ears? You've got ears on your head, I know. But do you have ears to hear the deep spiritual meaning of what Jesus came to say? Because not everyone has ears like that. And Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, you let, you let yourself hear. And then the cool thing is we get taken aside with the disciples and told the deeper meaning. So we're not left guessing. It's really awesome. It's, a, it's, it's an allegory, really. So from verse 14 through to 20, the meaning of the seed and each of the different soils is explained to us. So we get to see the deeper meaning. Look at verse 14. What's the seed? The farmer sows the word. So we find out right there, the seed is the word of God. So the whole concept of this picture is the word of God going out. The message about Jesus going out. And, and this farmer who's scattering it is, is an illustration of how the word of God actually does go out. Our God is very real and he's a speaking God. He is not silent. 
and his word continually goes out to this world that we live in. He's continually speaking into his world. He speaks generally through creation. You ought to know that there is a God who's amazing by simply looking at the place we live in. He speaks generally through a level of internal conviction, which is muffled by our brokenness, but an internal conviction that you're made for something more and that death is a rip-off. But God speaks most specifically and clearly through his son, Jesus, when he sends his son into this world to live and die and rise and speak about true realities. This is how God has spoken most specifically into our world through Jesus. And it, and it is now through Jesus, through the word of, of word of God spoken by the Spirit of God that God continues to speak. To you and anyone who's in a private setting with their Bible open, God's speaking. To you in a setting where you're gathering with a few others and your Bible's open, God is speaking. To you when you gather in this public time and the Bible's open, God is speaking, he's continually speaking. And the central message of what he's speaking is to do with Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross. And if you're new to this, I, I just want to be really clear what the seed is. I want, to, I want to flick the seed at you and see what happens. Some of you took the seed a long time ago, but others of you are like, yeah, not quite sure. Let me give you the seed, all right? Here's the seed. There is a God who made everything that exists and everyone that exists, including you. And he made you for him. He is grieved about what's happened as as humanity, the ones made in his image, have rebelled and turned our backs on him and just lived without regard for him. He's grieved by that, but in his love, he decides to come and make a way back. Yeah? Sin separates us, but God comes with a solution, and the solution is his son, Jesus, who comes and lives a life on your behalf that you could never live. It's perfect. And then he goes and dies a death in your place, to bear your sin in his body and die with it and deal with it. And then he rises again from the dead to turn and offer you a way back. He turns and offers you forgiveness and restoration to come back to the one who made you and loves you. There's the seed. Well, my little summary of the seed coming at you. This is what is scattered continually in our world. It, it's what's just come to you now. What will you do with the seed? What will you do with the word of God? What kind of soil is that landing on? As I just throw it out there then. Because there's four types of people, there's four types of soil, and we're going to move through them now because Jesus tells us exactly where the seed lands. Um, and it's quite confronting, really. We'll pick it up there in verse 15. Some people are like the seed along the path wherever the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So I've got a slide for each of these soils. It almost came up. Did you catch it? Little flat. Oh, there it is again. Oh, oh, did you catch it? Oh. <laughs> you just got to catch the flash, all right? 
That's right, we'll just see how it goes. A wiggly cord anyway or something. So here's the first one, the path. Um, the seed lands on the path and what immediately happens is a bird comes and picks up the seed and flies off with it. Yep, it's an easy thing to understand. Jesus tells us here what's actually happening there spiritually for a person who the word of God comes to and then it's taken away is that it's like Satan removing that message. I'm actually going to wait because everyone keeps looking at the flashing thing, so we'll either just don't worry about it or we'll get it. We'll just give you a minute. Okay. They're going to do something. All right, I'll just go on. Um, This is the equivalent of a person who hears what I just said a minute ago, the Word of God, and it's like it goes in one ear and straight out the other. Or it just bounces off because the enemy takes the word away. God has an enemy who does not want... There it is. Oh, let's, let's hear it for the slides. Good on you, Pierre. All right, well done. Put a bit of effort into the slides this week, so I'm glad that they're working. Look at that. There's the path. The seed lands, but those crows come and take it away. It's snatched away. It bounces off. This is the person who hears the word of God and thinks, hmm, whatever. Or it's just quickly replaced by other thoughts. Or a person who's distracted continually. It's like the word of God just bounces off them. Now, to illustrate that, I've got a few things for you to illustrate this morning. I brought some tennis balls here with me this morning. And I've lined up someone who's going to throw tennis balls at me. All right, throughout the sermon. And that is, I've roped Mason into it, and he's a little bit nervous about it. But what he's going to do for each of these soils, I'm going to illustrate what it's like to have the Word of God coming at me. And this first one, the Word of God just bounces off. Okay, so each time, we've got some tennis balls. Here's the first one, the Word of God's coming at me. Let's see if Mason can hit me. (laughs) All right, this is the path. You can can go whenever you're ready, mate. Oh, (laughs) Get going, mate. You've got a few there. Oh, there it is. You got the, oh, there you go. They both went to Regan. There you go. Um, it's just the bounce off. You get the concept, don't you? Have a little fun on the way through. Bounces straight off. I didn't even flinch, did I? Oh, I might have flinched a little bit. But the idea is it just disappears. It is Satan's work to stop the word of God hitting and staying. He wants to do it with unbelievers to stop them from ever believing and he wants to actually do it with you continually to stop you as a believer growing he wants the word of God to bounce off you the last thing he wants is the word of God to land and transform you and change you and save you and so I want to ask you right now this morning is Satan been doing that with you has the word of God just been bouncing off you here or at home or whenever the word of God comes Do, do you tune in but then tune out really quickly during the sermon Are there just random thoughts that keep coming to your mind and distracting you? Do you fall asleep really easily? It may not just be the boring preacher or the confusing preacher. It may not just be that you're tired. It may be a spiritual thing. Is that what's happening for you? Is it thoughts about friends or is it babies around you or is it family next to you? What are you being distracted by? God, Satan uses lots of good things to distract us from the ultimate thing. Or do you kind of catch it, but then it's really quickly... You get a little glimpse of a conviction. You're like, oh, that's... And then it just seems to go really quickly. 
and you find yourself not being able to talk about anything else after church but the weather and the footy and the, I don't know, just everything else, which is not bad to talk about those things, but there's just nothing else there because it keeps getting taken away. Yeah? This is a spiritual battle going on every time the word goes out. And if that's what's happening for you, the first thing you need to do is just notice that that's what's going on and decide whether you're okay about that. The word of God, the powerful word of God just bouncing. Don't let it bounce. Second place the seed lands is the rocky place. Oh. Ah, there we go. <laughs> That's going to happen again. Look, the rocky place. Yeah, let's read that, verse 16. Others, um, like the seeds sown in rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So this is the seed that lands in shallow soil. It springs up, but it doesn't have much roots. And the minute the sun comes out, it shrivels and dies away. This is the person who hears the word of God. And when they first hear it, they, in a sense, receive it. They catch the word of God. Yep. But very quickly a time of testing comes, persecution comes, and it's gone. It's snuffed out really quickly. It's the quick bail. It's the person who, who in the moment just goes, I'm going to do this. But then it's almost the next week. It's gone, and the decision is reversed. It's like flash in the pan Christianity. It's the classic phase, a real quick phase a person goes through. Because testing comes. So the word of God comes, let's illustrate it with the tennis sports like this. Ready? The word of God comes for a person. I'm going to try and catch this one. All right? The word of God, there it is. Yes. Ouch. It's like that quick. Was that good? It's like there's this little moment of like, yeah, this is good, but ow, oh, that hurt my hand. Or it's hot. Or it's like, oh, I don't want this anymore. And it's just real quick, it's gone. Now, some of you, you're thinking of people you know, and this has happened for them. And that's okay to think about others. I do want you to think about yourself, though, too. But maybe you know who's someone who this happened for. You know, the minute they become a Christian, someone says, you've done what? And they go, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. Or they tell friends, and friends decide to step away, and they're like, oh, I don't want my friends to step away, so I'm going to not do that anymore. Or they tell family and family are disapproving or disowning and they decide, well, I don't want to lose my family, so I'm going to stay there. Or, or they quickly come across some kind of a, a real persecution from being a Christian and they decide, well, this is not that valuable. I'm not going to go through pain for this. Or there's a temptation that lures them away. The number of times I've seen this, someone come to Christ, but then within a week or two, there's a boy or there's a girl who comes quickly into the scene and, and whisks them away. If, if you're new to the faith, you can pretty much, and, and you haven't got that special somebody yet, you, you can basically expect that to be the case. There's going to be some big temptation where the evil one's going to try and lure you away really quite quickly. So you ditch it. Yeah, times of testing will come. Yep. And when the time of testing comes, if your roots are only shallow, you'll shrivel. You'll shrivel. Maybe you've somehow managed to avoid serious times of testing in your Christian life so far. Maybe. Maybe you haven't had anything heavy come your way just yet, but it will come. 
There will be hardship that comes your way. And when it does, will you bail? Will anything real have happened for you? Will there have been real transformation and regeneration? Or will you ditch it? I think it's somewhat the story of the Coffs Coast. The more people I bump into have had some kind of brush with Christianity, if not growing up in a family that was associated with Christian things somehow. And so there's been a connection point, but it's just been a brief connection point and it hasn't really gone deep. And it's maybe just formed maybe a bit of a cultural Christian feel in the person or in the family, but nothing deep has happened because... Deep roots have not been put down. Don't let that be you. Third soil. I reckon it's probably the case that for most of us here, you're either the third soil or the fourth soil. And we'll all find out in about 40 or 50 years' time, depending on how old you are. And, and the classic mistake to make when you're reading this parable and thinking about it is to think, I oh, know I'm the fourth, I won't be the third, but we are all in danger of being the third. If you've been a Christian for a bunch of years, just tune in for this one. I call this the slow choke. It's the seed that falls, but thorns grow up around it as it grows. Let, let's read verse 18 and 19. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but here's the thorns, look at them. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So this is actually, this is actually the person who becomes a Christian and is a Christian in their mind and in the minds of everyone else around them for many years. This is the pastor who's led a church for years. But something's going on over the years. You see that list of what the thorns will be for all of us in a sense. Life's worries. So worries are just going to come your way. Heavy things are going to come at you. It might be financial worries. It might be interest rates keep going up. It might be global things that are going on. It might be concerns you've got for your safety in our country. It might be things with your kids. Life's worries will come for you and they can be a thorn bush that choke out your faith. Are you beginning to slowly be more and more consumed by worries? Is that the thorn that's growing up? Or is it the deceitfulness of wealth? Wealth is deceitful because when you get it or get a sniff of it, you can be deceived into thinking that that is where security can come from, safety can come from. It's very deceitful. But we live in a society that goes after it because we're told that's where stability comes from. Get your finances sorted and that's where security is found And it can easily be the case that just slowly as the years tick by, you chase wealth more and more and more being deceived into thinking that that is where security is ultimately found for you and your family and it's a thorn bush growing up. 
The other thing is just desires for other things. I mean, who hasn't got desires for other things? Our hearts are just desire factories. We want so much out of this life. There are many things we desire and many things we're told to desire and go after, but simply desires for many things and many of those things are good things can end up growing up around you and crowding out your faith. So what does it take to make sure this doesn't happen for you? Because you can go well with the Lord and well in church and encourage others for many years and then get choked out yourself. Don't think this can't happen to you. Let's illustrate it with a tennis ball. I've been trying to think as I'm talking how I would do this one, but we'll, we'll give it a go. So the Word of God comes at you. It's like, give it to me, I want it. Yes, I've got it. And you hold it here and you're like, I'm doing this. I've got the word of God and it's changing me and I'm loving it. And I'm in church and I'm even showing other people the word of God. You've got to get into this. It's awesome. And I do it for years. But then worries start to come and the word of God just kind of does this a little bit. And I'm, I'm starting to get worried about a lot of other things. And, and, and I'm starting to get my eyes on where other things can be found. And I'm thinking securities elsewhere. And the word of God's just drifted and my arms dropped. And then I haven't even noticed it, but my grip's let go. And then all of a sudden it's just fallen out of my hand and I still think I'm a Christian, but really I'm just like everyone else and I've just let go. And it's taken 30 years, but it's gone and you find yourself far from God toward the end of your life. Oh, don't let that happen. Gee, I reckon it takes a lot of resolve to make sure that's not happening. I reckon it takes a lot of attention paying to make sure that doesn't happen. Is it happening for you? Is there this, this slow drip, slow drop for you? Any of these things making sense for you? Pay attention. Be vigilant. If you spot a thorn growing up, don't be complacent and think, ah, yeah, I won't get choked out. That won't become a thing for me. No, get into the gardening, yeah? Pull it out by the roots, Get your gloves out and be vigilant all of your days, spotting the kind of things that can choke out your faith because there's nothing more important than your faith remaining. So you're catching a glimpse of a thorn bush growing up because you will have thorn bushes growing up. The only difference is whether you do anything about it or if you think, oh, yeah, maybe later. Whew. Jobs, career, house, marriage, family, holidays, sports, lifestyle. Just saying yes to many things and forgetting how to say no to things that are not the ultimate priority. Saying yes over and over again to good and fun things and not having a deep plan to keep your faith strong. It's like pushing a ball uphill. You've got to keep straining and the minute you stop or stop paying attention, it'll roll back the other direction. We've got an enemy and we've got hearts that want to turn from God. Be vigilant. Be very, very careful. Don't assume that this third soil warning is for somebody else. Please don't. Please don't. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Daily monthly, you'll know people for whom this has happened to them. Don't let it happen to you. 
still be walking closely with the Lord on your final days because you've paid attention. You've gardened hard and ripped out thorn weeds as you spotted them and you've learned how to do that better and better and more aggressively as the years have ticked by. Fourth soil. Be this one, eh? Let's be this one. Verse 20. Others, like the seeds sown in the good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, 60, 100 times what's sown. Yeah? This is the person with a good and noble heart, a soft heart, that hears it, receives the word, and actually genuinely retains it. You hang on to your conviction, a genuine repentance from your sin and grasping hold of the forgiveness of God and you continue to do that your whole life. You become obsessed with obedience to Jesus and living your days to bring him honour and you persevere with that conviction and obedience through testing time after testing time after testing time. You just keep going and you never let go. And in your keeping on going, you're understanding that your growth isn't going to happen quickly. It's going to be hard to hang on and it's going to be hard to grow. And there's no secret, quick fix technique to become a really strong Christian. No, it's the letting the years tick by with determination, keen to slog it out and keep pushing because you've got your eye on this final day and it's a day when you're still with the Lord and it's a day where you can look back and see you've produced a crop. You've produced a harvest with your life. That's the key difference about the fourth soil. It produces something. And it produces something inside a person. And it produces something through a person. On that final day, if you're the fourth soil, what will have been produced in you is a sweeter intimacy with Jesus. A deeper commitment to Jesus. Roots that have just gone down so deep and so wide... You can stand in the storms that just keep coming in this broken world. That's the crop that gets produced in you. But of course, there's a harvest and a crop that gets produced through you. There's an impact that's happened because of your life in the lives of others. Now, all of us wish we'd be better at speaking about Jesus and helping others to come to know Jesus the way we do. And some people will just be more gifted at it than others and God will choose to use some more than others. But are you determined to be used as much as you possibly can with who you are, with all of your days? Is it your great desire that God would work through you to help others come to know him and return to him? Can you picture a harvest at the end of your days when you look back? A crop, an impact, a legacy. It's not just about you and your family name and the wonderful trips you've done and, the, I don't know, all the things we get excited about, but it's a, it's a legacy for the Lord where there's people impacted because of your life. And you've joined together with a group of believers for a good chunk of years where together you've had an impact. That's what we're trying to do. Will you be the good soil? In fact, I'll tell you a good sign that you are the good soil today is that you're actually really concerned 
that you might be the third soil (laughs) and you're worried? Like, are you concerned? Does it frighten you that you could possibly drift? That's probably a really good sign. Jesus doesn't bring these warnings so that we'd just be complacent. He brings this warning so we'd be determined to draw nearer and go closer and stay strong and develop in a genuine belief that lasts through the years. Be careful how you listen. That's the key in it all. You've got ears to hear? Do you hear the word of God day after day, week after week, and does it go deep? Stay soft and honest to the voice of God by his spirit through his word. Let it be the case that you persevere and produce a crop. I'm going to pray, but before I do, I'm just going to give you a moment to think and pray, and you might have already been scribbling on your paper. I don't know, what's God showing you here today? What questions arise from it? What concerns have you got? Take a moment to pray and think, and then I'll pray for us all together. Oh, Father God, we don't want your word to bounce off us. We don't want it to be taken away. We don't want it to be short-lived. And we don't even want it to be caught for a medium term in our life. We, we want it to come and impact us and change us forever. Please, Lord, by your spirit, let that be the case for us. Please help us give ourselves to ripping out thorn bushes and staying focused on you, growing deeper in you, learning to love you and follow you every day. Lord, help, help this to be a decision we wake up and make afresh every day that we would persevere and keep hearing you speak and be soft to your words. Please, Lord, do this in us for our sake but also the sake of your glorious name. Amen.